focusing on is flourishing. Yeah, if the back row is too sunny, you can move up and get out of the sun. Good, good thinking there, uh, if that works for you. So yeah, this is, a, this is a precious passage to me. It's from Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 through 12. 7 through 12. I'll just read it here and we'll get started. Instead, he's contrasting last week we talked about motives and the fact that Paul didn't have negative motives, not pleasing people, not doing stuff for greedy gain, not doing things that would be flattering to tickle people's ears. So he says, instead, well, that's where this starts off, is in contrast to that. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are our witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging and comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls us and calls you into his kingdom and glory. Excuse me. Boy, there's a lot of rich metaphors, a lot of rich pictures, word pictures in there, and they revolve around family. They revolve around growth. Let's um, pray before we jump into the outline. Heavenly Father, thank you for this passage of your word. Thank you for showing the Apostle Paul as a mighty example of making disciples and what it means to love people with a depth of heart like a parent. Help us as disciple makers, help us as disciples to grow in you and in these relationships. Put it before us, Lord, with open ears, with open our eyes, open our hearts to hear your word, to obey your word, to love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, the first thing the Apostle Paul mentions, and I want to dive into, is he says, we were like you, like a young child. Jot that down, if you would. Like a young child. That's the first word picture that kind of pops out right in verse 7, right at the beginning. He says, like a young child, we were among you. And Jesus used to love to analogize and, and, and show the picture of a child and call us to become like children. You know, the, um, the disciples and the apostles didn't really understand it well, but Jesus calls us all to be like children. What is it that he wants us to, to be like children? The first thing is he wants us to be innocent like children. Be innocent like a child. Now, jot that down in your outline if you would, under A there. Innocent like a child. Remember Jesus, when he looked at the children, he said, unless you turn, that was the word for repent, unless you turn around and repent from your sin and become like these little children, what's he pointing to? He's pointing to their innocence. 
The little children are before the age of accountability, before they even know exactly what right and wrong is. We as parents or grandparents are trying to teach them what's right and what's wrong, what's sin and what is not sin. And so with their innocence, Jesus pointed to them and said, you, you, you adults, you need to take on the innocence of a child. And so repentance, turning from our sins, turning toward God and devotion to him can obliterate, can annihilate, can wipe out our sins so that before God, we are just as pure as an innocent newborn. Okay, that's the gospel message that all of us should contain, should understand. We become like little children before the Father in heaven. All of our sin, everything we've done that's been wrong, all of our evil is dealt with and taken care of as we come to him. We don't have to earn or deserve his love. He freely gives it to us. He says, what you need to do, turn from your sin. Turn toward him. Trust in him. In fact, that's the second thing I want to point out. Trusting like a child. So you're not only innocent like a child, but you're trusting like a child. Is there anything more trusting than a child toward his parents? I remember placing my son up on a shed roof. I forget why we were, were there. But uh, as a little two-year-old or whatever he was, saying jump, and he would just jump into my arms without, without hesitation, you know. And if I had dropped him, it would have been disastrous. But he knew I wouldn't drop him. I knew I wouldn't drop him. He was trusting, and he threw himself, he threw himself into that trusting. And that's the kind of trust that God calls on us to have toward the Heavenly Father. That's why he points to a child and says, there's something innate there's something inbred. There's something inborn in a child that says, trust in the one that's trustworthy. And who's the one that's trustworthy? The Lord, the Lord Jesus. Whoever welcomes a child in my name, he says, welcomes me. We need to be those who would welcome. In fact, when the disciples saw the children taking up Jesus' time and they, they were like all concerned that he wasn't able to teach the adults, they're like shooing the kids away. Oh, Nothing irritated Jesus more. Nothing brought more uh, condemnation on those that were around him than when you shooed children away, when you pushed away the ones, the very ones that he was trying to bless. There was a ritual that rabbis would do. They would place their hand on a child's head and say a little prayer over those children. And so people were bringing children to Jesus and they were shooing them away. And Jesus said, you know, here's what it says. Let the little children come to me. There's something natural about children focusing on who God is, on what he wants. So what a treasure, what a gift for us as parents and grandparents. We don't have to force our kids to come to Christ. We don't have to force our kids to think about God. They're going to do it naturally. What we need to do is let them, encourage them. And bless them like Jesus did. Let the children come to me and do not hinder them. Kids are going to naturally focus their attention on a heavenly being. They, they, they can't look at creation and just go, well, it just happened. That's not natural. That's not uh, easy. Instead, they're going to look around and say, who made this mom and dad? Where'd this come from? Where'd this world 
Sorry. So let them come. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Such as these. We as adults want to come to God like children, trusting. He says, um, they belong to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a what? Child will never enter it. So instead of the adults being the, the measure, <laughs> in a way, no, the kids are the measure. You as adults, don't shoo the kids away. Instead, look at them as the teaching lesson, as the model. Become like a child in innocence. Become like a child in trust, trusting the Lord. So Jesus took the children in his arms. He placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. And he wants us to follow through in the same kind of blessing. Trust is the key. Can I add one more thing to this? Humble like a child. Humble like a child. You got innocence, you got trust, and you got humility. Humility. If you don't have humility, you're gonna, it's going to struggle to come to God and to trust in him. If you have pride in yourself, in your own goodness, in your works, you will not be able to get the grace of God that comes from trusting him instead of depending on yourself. Humility is a child's honesty, being humble. Now, now think about it for a minute. Jesus described himself one time in Scripture, in, in Matthew chapter 11. His self-description was this. For the Son of Man is gentle. The word is meek. For the Son of Man is gentle and humble of heart. <laughs> you know, think about that for a minute. He described himself as gentle and humble. Okay? We, we think of Jesus with this courageous, you know, mighty potential, and yet he described himself as gentle. Because you have power under control when you've got gentleness. You've got humility bringing the power to bear. That's what meekness is. It's like a stallion that is harnessed, and the power never stops, but the control is there. And so you've got a meekness and a humility that Jesus says, I am humble of heart. And he said, here's the end. He said, and you will find rest for your soul. I am gentle and humble of heart, and you can depend on me to find rest for your heart. Oh, brothers, sisters, those of you that are maybe examining and, and exploring the, the claims of Christ. He says, come to him. You will find rest for your soul. There's the striving that you might be about to try to be good enough. He says, don't even try. Don't even try to be good enough. Just trust in him, and he'll, he'll um, develop you into what he's calling you to be. Humble of heart. Well, I've taken way too long with that, but that's the like a child aspect. Now, now, now we gotta, we got to shift for a moment to the parental side. Not just like a child, but like a nourishing mother. Raise your hand if you're a mother here. Okay. Raise your hand if you have a mother. Oh, that'd be 100%. Okay. All right. Raise your hand if you have a, had a nourishing mother, a nurturing mother. Okay. All right. I was so blessed with uh, the parents that God gave me. I, it, you just think about um, the, the, the honor that comes from 
having a mom that's nourishing. He says, I, I was like a mother to you. The Apostle Paul felt a mothering instinct over those that he was leading to Christ and discipling. Now, some of you guys might have a hard time with that analogy, but Paul had no problem with it. He was so secure in his masculinity, he could use a, a, a mother as his illustration of how he felt. You know, Jesus did the same thing. <laughs> as Jesus looked over the cliff, over the uh, edge, walking into Jerusalem, his heart went out and he even got a tear in his eye. And the Bible says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I, I would like a mother hen want to gather you under myself and protect you, but you wouldn't have it. And he, and he pictured himself like a mother hen loving and tears came to his eyes. He, he wept, the Bible says. Why did Jesus do that? <laughs> he loved like a mother. His heart was for his people. His heart was there. So like a nourishing mother, Jesus described himself as this hen that would collect her chicks. And he said, I just want to love on you. I just want to love on you. And here's what Paul says, just as a nursing mother, and here's a couple of, pop, we'll pop these out, but just like a, a nursing mother cares for her children, so we what? Cared for you. Just like a mother cares, we care. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share not only the gospel of God, but our own lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship we worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel to you. So jot a couple of these things down. First of all, nursing. A nursing mother. A, they're giving food from your own body. Something you've processed. So, so here's where it is. If you're working with somebody, leading them to Christ and helping them to grow, what is it of yourself that you're giving away? Paul says, I was like a nursing mother to you. A nursing mother processes the nutrients and then passes them on. <laughs> the same thing happens biblically with us as disciple makers. We shouldn't just throw God's word. Yeah, read the Bible sometime. No, when God strikes us, when God deals with us, his word becomes nourishment to us and we have the opportunity to pass that along to someone else. So I got to ask you this morning, who is it that you love that much? Who is it that you're pouring into? Now you could say, well, that's Paul and he's special and he's, he's just awesome. So no, but he's calling on us. He's calling on you and me to be in discipling relationships with people where we are nourishing them. We are nurturing them. We're nursing them. Does that make sense? I got to ask you this morning, who is it in your world that you love that much. Who is now, now, some of you might be going, well, my kids, my grandkids. Okay, I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> Stay there with that. But don't stop there with that. Follow me? Look to even secondary relationships beyond the familial, beyond the family relationships. Go to the next level and say, who is it God's calling me to pour my life into? The only way the, the, the gospel is going to expand like God wants it to is when we take on that kind of love. By this will all men know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. 
Not just, oh, I feel loved. No, it's action. What's he say? Nursing, giving food from your own body, your own nourishment. What happens when a baby is nursing on their mother? Bonding. Bonding. I mean, that's the real power the, the psychologists talk about because the bonding is natural, and that's what's happening with Paul and these folks, and that's what he's calling on us to bond with people. To take a couple other words pop out of this to me. The second one is caring and loving. Nursing is the first one, and caring and loving. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children. Too often we say, I don't care. Well, I don't care. Well, how are they doing? I don't care. What? Care. Care. He says, I cared so much. We loved you so much. Love and care uh, go together. We cared for you. We loved you so much. Caring and loving. The last one, I've got three blanks there. <laughs> Jot these three things down. Sharing. Caring has to be carried over into sharing. Serving and sacrificing. I mean, aren't those the three words that resonate with what mothers do? <laughs> Isn't that what we take a Mother's Day and say, what, what's, what good are mothers? Sharing, serving, and sacrificing. Sharing, serving, and sacrificing. That pops out to me in the text. Why? Well, he says, we shared with you not only the gospel of God, but what? Our own lives, our very lives. It was not just a, a cognitive thing, passing on some truth. That's not what discipleship is about. Uh, discipleship is more caught than taught, <laughs> okay? It's more about them catching the flavor of your life. Share your heart. Share your love for Jesus. That's what discipling is all about. And he says here, sharing our, our lives with you, doing life together. Now, in our isolated and rapidly moving world, it is hard for us to get to the level that he's talking about here. Now, let me remind you, Paul had three Sabbath days to develop his relationship with these guys. Three weeks is all he had to get this church started. He had three weeks to pour himself into, and that's what he's saying. In three weeks' time, I poured not only the gospel of God into you, but I poured my life, my heart, my being into you. He says, we shared not only the gospel of God, but our own lives as well. Now, why, why does he bring up toil and hardship? Why is he bringing up toil? And, well, because even for those that short period of time, he said, I'm, I don't want anyone to question my motives. <laughs> so I will not receive an offering. I refuse to receive an offering because people might wonder if I'm doing this for gain, for, for financial gain. He said, I'm going to work. All day long, he worked. He was a tent maker. He would sew fabric <laughs> into tents. By the way, I got to bring this up here. I'm going to give special honor to my brother James, to, to brother Bill, to uh, uh, Lindsay. We uh, tried to put these this up a couple weeks ago over for a picnic over here at Bigelow Park. It's kind of a tent, right? I mean, that's why I'm bringing this up at the moment. And last year, this had kind of raised up in a wind and struck down. And so a bunch of these pipes, this uh, structure were, were bent and broken. <laughs> 
and we'd kind of not fixed it and it just slipped our mind and so we trying to put it together a couple weeks ago and we had an audience because it was the whole people wanting to gather for the picnic i gotta admit it was kind of embarrassing because <laughs> it, it didn't work real well and it took us way longer than we expected but paul was sewing together fabric for tents now he'd work all day long and then guess what he did in the night he preached he got in fact one night he he preached till midnight i i, I can relate to the brother okay he preached till midnight, you know. He wished would not shut up. And poor Eutychus was sitting in the windowsill. Boop! Fell down two stories and, you know, yeah. Paul had to go down and, and resurrect him. <laughs> you know? Why was, he, why was he preaching at night? Because he was working in the daytime. He was working in the day, and people had off work at night, and so he would share the gospel with them. And he says, I toiled day and night so as not to be a, an obstruction, a burden to any of you. And I'm just thinking, that's just what moms, if, mom, if there's anybody in our culture that works day and night, in today's world, oh, it's you working moms. I'm looking at some of you. Oh, my gosh. Husbands just come home and say, where's dinner? Sometimes. <laughs> oh, I see the raised eyebrows. Oh, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting you guys in trouble, aren't I? Yeah. And then it's like, hey, I work too. You know? Here's Paul saying, work, toil, and hardship. He's saying, sharing, serving, and sacrifice. He says, that's what mothers do, and that's what I did with you. And you know, I want you to hear this. Serving and sacrificing goes a long way to making disciples. Don't just look at someone and say, would you enter into a relationship with me where I can share Jesus with you? Begin serving. Begin loving to the degree that they look at you and go, wow, this person is sacrificing their own time, their own energy, their own love for me and for us. And God will use that. Well, we don't preach ourselves, Paul said in Corinthians, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For Jesus Christ's sake. When um, Paul called on the young believers not to let anyone look down on their youth, but to be examples, to be models. And, and he's calling not just older people to be mothers. He's calling every person, wherever you're at on the scale of coming to Christ, turn around and someone's going to be behind you. You're going to be one lesson or more ahead of everybody that's behind you. <laughs> Just begin there, sharing, serving, loving, and sacrificing, and begin to bond with those. So I know we could take a lot longer on this, but think about it for a minute. Are you, am I, like a nursing mom to people in my life? Am I giving myself away and my heart to others? Let's take the last one. Like a protective father. See, see, Paul doesn't just stop at like a child. He doesn't just stop at like a mother. He says, like a father. Here's what it says. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you. Excuse me. Among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with you, each, each of you, as a father, underline that, as a father 
deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. A couple of things that fathers should do, and uh, this, this is a good lesson just for fathers and grandfathers for your kids, but it also applies to discipling, discipling others. First of all, modeling. Modeling character and behavior. Paul's saying, you can look at my life. You can look at my heart, but also look at my behavior. Look at how I live. He says how holy, righteous, blameless I was. You're not going to find a lot of error in my life where I'm inconsistent. You're not going to look at my life and go, well, do as I say, not as I do. Okay? That, that, that's poison. That's anti-discipleship. What he's calling on us to do is to say, do as I say and as I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's power in that. There is virulence and, and, and might, potency in that. Do as I say and as I do. Follow, Paul said, inasmuch as I follow after Christ, <laughs> follow after me. He says that to the Thessalonian Christians. He says that to the Philippians. He says that over and over and over again. Inasmuch as I follow after Jesus, you can follow. Now, what's assumed in that? If I get off track, you f- keep following Jesus. But I want you to be able to look at me and say, he's going Jesus' way. I can follow him. I think part of the reason why we're not doing more in discipleship is we're afraid to say that to somebody. Inasmuch as I follow, Jesus, follow me. Have you said that to verbally to anybody in your life? It's an accountability question. It's to hold you accountable. If you say that to someone... Don't expect them not to call you on it if you get out of the way, if you get off of the path, if you fail to follow through with what you're trying to do. But see, that can help you. See, people can actually help you from behind as much as they help you on ahead. You follow me? We're in this trip, in this journey, on this adventure together. We got those that are ahead of us that we're following and inspiring us. And we got those behind us saying, keep, keep on going. Help me out here. Keep on going. Keep, keep up. And when you've got that going, oh, it changes your spiritual life. It makes you, what's the word we're using in this series? Flourish. You will flourish if you get in a line where you've got those that you're following and those that are following you. What we mostly failed at is having anybody, calling anyone to account behind us. <laughs> Follow me in as much as I follow after Christ. Paul is saying, now, you almost think he's bragging, but he's not. He's trying to say, you saw how holy, how blameless I was. It's not because he's trying to hold himself up, because Paul is the opposite. But he's trying to say, I am going to be dependable. I'm going to do everything in my power to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and his love. Blameless. You know, the... Apostle wrote to Timothy and to Titus these pastoral letters. First and second Timothy, Titus, Philemon. He wrote these pastoral epistles, and in them he said, Here's a trustworthy statement. Whoever aspires to be an overseer, a leader, aspires and desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above what? Reproach. Faithful to his wife. 
temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well to see to it that his children obey him. And he must not do so in a, he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. <laughs> worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert. He must not become con- or become conceited and fall into the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation from outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Oh, modeling, modeling. Let's shift to the second, the second aspect of that. It pops right out of the text in verse 12, encouraging encouraging he says i was like a father among you as a father deals with his own children encouraging circle that word encouraging you know that's one of my favorite words right (laughs) placing courage in people that's a skill that's a that's a command encourage one another the bible says encourage one another why does it say that It's so easy for us to lose courage. And this whole adventure we're on with God takes huge doses of courage. And so he calls on you and he calls on me to be infusers of courage in people. Place courage in people's hearts and in people's lives. Don't discourage them, but encourage them. As a high school kid, I was really into wrestling, really loved wrestling. And uh, certain matches, certain state competitions and those kind of things. Daryl, you're a wrestler. I would like to wrestle you sometime. but uh, <laughs> You'd like to see that too. Not at our age, right, Daryl? Oh, come on, man. Uh, but my, 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 mom, my mom would come to my matches, but she'd get so wound up in knots. She... She couldn't stand to see her little boy out there, you know, fisticuffing it and battling it out. She'd get so sick, she'd go to the back of the bleachers and not even look. She couldn't even watch, okay? My dad, however, my, dad's, my dad had a powerful voice. Powerful, powerful voice. And I can remember certain matches where I'd be wrestling and probably the whole crowd's yelling, but I didn't hear anybody else. But guess what I heard? Yeah, yeah, Dad, encouraging. Get him, son! <laughs> you know, where my mom was fearful of the, uh, 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 of the danger, maybe, of the potential harm, Dad was like, pin that dude, you know? <laughs> where Mom would say, don't do that, it might blow up. Dad would say, do that, it might blow up, you know? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. that's just the difference between moms and dads. You know, it's encouraging, you know? Now you know why I'm so weird, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you know, but that's the point. He says, be like a dad. Be one of those yellers from the stand saying, go get him. Sick him. You can do it. You know, he wants us to be encouragers and put put our faith on the forefront. Encourage our kids and put courage inside our kids. My wife put this on the internet this week to just our family but i thought it was worthy of a of a quick read don't feel sorry for or fear for your kids because the world they are growing up in is not what it used to be yeah 
Yep. God created your kids and called them for the exact moment in time that they're in. Their life wasn't a coincidence or an accident. Raise them up to know the power they walk in as children of God. Yeah. Train them up with the authority of God's word. Teach them to walk in faith, knowing that God is in control. Empower them to know that they can change the world. Don't teach them to be fearful or disheartened by the state of the world, but hopeful that they can do something about it. Does that make sense? That's putting courage in your kids, not fear. Every person in all of history has been placed in this time that they were placed in because of God's sovereign plan. God knew that Daniel could handle the lion's den. God knew that David could handle Goliath. God knew that Esther could handle Haman. And God knew Peter could handle persecution. He knows your child can handle whatever challenge they face in their life. It's hard to believe, but it's true. He created them specifically for the challenge that they'll face. I don't know if you believe that. But it gives you the chance to put courage in your kids instead of fretting, fearing. Don't be scared, but be honored that God chose you to be the parent of a generation that is facing the biggest challenge of, their, of the future. Rise up to the challenge. Parents, grandparents, young people about to have kids, wherever you're at, let God raise up Daniel's, David's, Esther's, and Peter's through you. Place courage in your kids. For those of you that don't have kids, <laughs> we got a tribe of them around here. And they need multiple individuals to pour love and courage into them. How do you relate <laughs> to kids in your life? Are you willing to sacrifice a week of your life next summer to go to camp and pour into kids courage, faith, Trust, love. It doesn't have to be your own biological children. In fact, Paul's saying he gave energy like a father to these people that were not biologically related to him at all. God isn't scratching his head wondering what he's doing and going to do with the mess the world is in. No, he has an army. He's raising up kids to drive back the darkness and make him known over all the earth, over the whole world. Don't let fear steal the greatness God placed in them. I know it's hard to imagine them as anything besides our sweet little babies, and we just want to protect them from anything that could ever be hard on them. <clears throat> but they were born for such a time as this. I mean, that's we got to come down to the belief that God called you to this stage to this date, to this time, to this era. It is not an accident. It is not a mistake. Now, what would be a mistake is for us to bury our head and pretend like it's too messy, it's too bad, it's too evil. Or to even, let's go to the hills and, and, and seclude ourselves. That's not God's will. It never was, and it never will be. Getting off the grid may have some advantages, but that's not how we're going to win the world. That's not how we're going to share his love. You can't share his love unless you're engaged in even an evil culture. Paul was in a culture of pagans. 
Paul led these people to Jesus in three weeks' time. Folks, we're in a pagan culture. Don't underestimate what God can do. Trust him. Don't underestimate what God can do through your offspring, through the children that are around us, through the blessings that God has given us with kids, with loved ones. Well, I know I took way too long on that, but uh, that's the encouraging he's calling us to do. Place courage in your kids. Two more and we'll finish. It pops right out of the text. He says, comforting. He says, encouraging and comforting. Excuse me. As a father deals with his own kids, comforting. See, if all you're doing is yelling at them, go, 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 go. There's times when you have to pull back and say, let's minister to the wound. Comfort. Jesus said we're to bring comfort to one another. Comforting and encouraging go hand in hand. The last one, (laughs) not a word we use often, urging. Urging. It's much like encourage, but it's a little different. It's that when, you, when you're giving them the last, you know, it's like they're on the last lap. Go, go, go. You know, you're urging them on, blessing them, saying you can do, God can do it through you. As a father deals with his own ch- child, urging them. He says, what's he urging them? He says to live a life worthy of the Lord, worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and into his glory. Don't we all want to hear the words that Jesus says in in Matthew? Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little things. I'm going to put you in charge over much. Come into the kingdom of your father that he's prepared for you. Keep telling your kids. Keep telling your disciples. Keep telling those that are being led to Christ and growing because of you. Keep telling them what? (laughs) They can do it. That it's worth it. That the glory of God rests on and falls on his kingdom people. Come and share your master's happiness. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord will lead us, comforting and urging. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm inspired. I want to be like a child. I want to be like a nursing mother. And I want to be like a protective and wise father. To those around me, to those God's called us to, to my family, to your family. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for calling us young children, nursing mothers. Thank you for calling us protective fathers. May you call us to not just uh, the titles, but call us, Lord, to uh, fulfill those roles this week, this month, this season, this time. Like never before, Father, would we rise up and make disciples. We train others who can train others who can train others. Love people through us, Lord, because you've loved us so much. Thank you for the gospel that frees us to love others like you love us. Thank you for the cross that leads our way to you, that it's only through your love and your mercy and your grace that we have any opportunity 
for your kingdom and your glory. We rest in you for that, Lord. We love you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.